there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. I am 27 years old and have not lied about my age. I am joined... Finally, we are reunited with my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, have you lied about your age? Um, No. Sometimes I do it on accident. Do you ever forget how old you are? Because sometimes yes. I do. And it's I had a legitimate panic attack. Um, I, I was out with some people, and I thought I was a year older than I was. And I thought I lost a, a year of my life. And then after about a minute or two, I, I remembered that um, I'm younger than I thought in that moment, which, which was very satisfying. Yeah, it's um, it's really embarrassing. I think it all comes down to the fact, that, you know, like people say they don't really care about their birthdays, but then, you know, they're frauds and they do care. I think right. I actually got to the point where I didn't care that much. So I no longer take very much stock in it. Um, sorry if uh, you hear any rumbling in the background. My cat and dog are currently engaging in a war underneath the door to my office um, <laughs> where my cat is punching my dog in the face through the crack in the door. It's pretty amazing. Now, you just give him the it, old one, too. <laughs> well, our podcast is becoming known for dog moments. So that's uh, that's that's <laughs> it, if it, you can hear it. It's not really a big issue, is it? Yeah. Rip in peace. Uh, Ryan Morton. Uh and his couch if i'm allowed to get sappy for a moment it is nice that like when i have a night off i can be like oh you know what carter's got this he he's going to produce some good content and it was a good podcast and he even produced one of the best moments that we've had so that that's a nice little feeling there yeah i definitely i definitely inspired his uh his dog to hurl all over him <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad that you're you're keeping everything in context because we don't need a Kyrie Dion situation. Do like, you it, find it's nice? It's nice that you stepped up in that moment. But if you try to take me down, I I will get you traded out of town, and you might have your little shot against the Warriors. But you'll always beat Dion Waiters to me. That's fair. Do you find that it's almost kind of nice when you do sit out because you have like more Cavs content to consume? Because yes sometimes no. when I sit out, I'm like, oh, nice. I have a podcast in my rotation that I can listen to. <laughs> sometimes that is nice. And then there's times where I just sit there and I listen to you and Mort and I want to jump in and either rip out someone's throat, agree with you, whatever the case may be. I, I get, uh, you get some FOMO. Yeah, I get some FOMO there for sure. Especially when Mort's like, well, you know, if the Cavs have the worst record, we're guaranteed a top four pick. And I'm just throwing my phone against the wall, yelling it's top five. Here's and the thing about Mort is even if he doesn't know something, he's so confident in his presentation. I think that's half the battle of Mort, uh, Mort's superiority complex. I mean, that's what I've been doing. And, and, to, and you know what? Don't sell yourself short. You've, you haven't watched a Cavs game all year, and you, you record a podcast <laughs> twice a week. Cruel. Cruel. <laughs> you know, this is one of those bits um, 
that is inevitably going to actually hurt my credibility when someone doesn't realize that we're joking. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, there was, I had a coworker, his name was Dave, and uh, he, he called out sick once, and I started calling him PTO Dave. And then mm. a new boss got hired, and I was like, yeah, this is PTO Dave. He never, he never shows up to work. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> See, Sorry, now, Dave. I, I think our fun little jabs at one another aren't going to be taken as seriously as you dropping that on the new boss day one. Well, I didn't drop it. Someone else did. Uh, I, I have a sense of decorum. <laughs> well, as you said, we, we do actually have some Cavs content to talk about. Uh, the team's actually kind of been playing surprisingly well. I, I mean, it seems like they are developing some chemistry. Obviously, there was a feeling out process with uh, these guys that were either used to being set up by LeBron James, new pieces that really haven't had a lot of time with the team. And um, it, the kind of focal point for this recent strong play has been Larry Nance, who, who is someone that we were kind of a little down on recently. Um, so I, I know we've talked about it before, about how even though this team isn't really that good, they're, they're at least exciting. But you know what? They're, they're actually coming up with some quality games. And while I, I don't necessarily uh, expect that to continue for the rest of the season, uh, I'm enjoying the Cavs right now. Yeah, I am too. Um, and Nance has just been like just a revelation. Like he really does generate a lot of motion and uh, the rare easy buckets that the Cavs can get um, just kind of via his his ability to see passing lanes, using his height, using his long arms. He, he's able to locate the ball really, really well. I mean, and sure, he is going to get some cheapos just off of, you know, dribble handoffs and the like. Um, and that, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. Um, but, like, ultimately, like, you can look at his assists and say, okay, well, not all of those, you know, you didn't have to be Jokic to get some of those assists. But bigs don't, aren't, don't get assists like this. No, like, he's no. had, like... I think six of his last seven games, um, he's had at least six assists. Um, yeah, his career yeah. high seven, and he's hit that like three different times. Like, it's been a pretty amazing run of playmaking. Yeah, and we had talked about before how Nance doesn't really—he's not a guy that you feel like he needs to have gaudy box score stats to really impact the game. But then you you look at Indiana, where obviously the game winner got a lot of the attention. But 15 points, 16 boards, six assists, three steals, and a block. Like, he, he was all over the place. And I, I know he started this last game uh, against Charlotte. Um, but, like, realistically, he, he's done a lot of this in a reserve role. The minutes haven't really increased a whole hell of a lot. And if he can continue bringing this, if we're projecting towards the future, if he can continue bringing this as kind of that first big off the bench that's really encouraging and i i have to eat just a little bit of crow because immediately after shitting on you for suggesting that maybe he could develop a three-point shot he's started taking it with a lot of confidence like even shooting it off the dribble and the form looks good the results are looking pretty good like even when he's missing it's kind of like the jetty osman misses where oh, look, that shot was taken with confidence. The form was good. The ball just didn't go in the rim. And uh, I, I don't think he's going to turn into Kevin Love, but it, there's enough there that makes me think, ah, that might actually be something. Yeah, sometimes it's just enough to be a little bit of a threat. And it, he's only taken one a game. Um, but, you know, that's been enough for them so far. Um, uh, he's hitting 42% of, that, of them. Uh, and when... And, like, his per-game numbers are not impressive, ultimately. Like, they don't blow anyone off the off the page. But when you look at his per-36s, because right. he does only play 25 minutes a game, his per-36s are really quite solid. 12 points, which, you know, he's not a scorer, but he's averaging 10.6 boards, 4.6 assists, and 1.9 steals in one block. Like, these are numbers that are really uh, quite solid for, for a big. And, uh, you know... The Cavs have a little bit of a conundrum here with him and Tristan once Tristan comes back healthy because both these guys are playing so well. It is hard just to say, you know, one of you has to play 20 to 24 minutes a night. Uh, 
while the other one gets a little bit more burn. Right. But isn't that also kind of ideal? Like, if you're not, we need to get Zizzer. Um, like, if both of them are kind of logging 24 minutes at center, and maybe if Nance develops uh, a three-point shot, you can play around with him a little bit more at power forward. Um, or maybe that enables him at least the threat to to play alongside Tristan. Like, I think you can realistically kind of get both guys like 26 minutes per game. And I, I mean, Tristan, how well he's playing this season is obviously fantastic. Um, but given his injury history, at least in, in recent history, you, I think you want to try to keep him as fresh as possible. Nance also isn't the most durable player on the planet. So you, I think you want to keep him fresh. And I, I mean, the Cavs aren't really aiming towards a full rebuild. Like, it's clear that they feel a lot of the pieces that are here are going to be pieces moving forward. And I, I think Nance is a guy that doesn't really need tons of touches um, or doesn't at least need a lot of shots. That, that's a player that fits well with what they're trying to build and some of the other players that they have in skill positions and whoever they bring in through the draft next year. Yeah, I mean, just imagine how he'll look when he has some shooters to pass the ball to. Um, so much of these <laughs> dribble handoff actions don't go anywhere because they've got three or four guys in the paint every time. Like, um, you know, I'm not going to live with this Rodney Hood and Alec Burke slander, man. <laughs> well, Rodney just doesn't take them, and Burks is slumping hard. But you know, yeah. that's okay. I, I just think it, he's been. They kind of have leaned on Nance uh, in a way that, you know, has been kind of nice and encouraging and not someone who, who I really thought could do that, you know, as he is such a subtle player for the most part, but these game logs, I mean, these 15, 16 rebound nights, like those are not the norm for him. And they've been really, really encouraging. Um, you know, every now and again, he's going to post a stinker, but I do think, you know, in terms of when I, when I watch a, a, Na- a Cavs game, you can kind of tell whether Nance has played well or not based on the assist number more than anything else, right? Right. And and the funny thing is, it just goes to show you, like, it's not like he's a, a high-level playmaker. He He's very impressive for a big man, but um, just getting that front-court facilitation really helps, especially because even Colin Sexton, when he is playing well, that's not really a part of his game that's there. and Obviously, Sexton is a big part of the team right now. And it's kind of, it, it makes me wonder what this team would look like with Kevin Love. Because obviously, um, they're using front court players to, to create shots for other guys so much. And that's something that Love has really excelled in. And just, it, it, it makes me wonder kind of how, how they play, uh, what, what the dynamic would be between those two, some of the sets that Larry Drew might be able to use with them. Um, I think that's going to be really fascinating uh, once Love comes back. I mean, I, I think by the time Love comes back, it's very likely that they're going to have even less outside shooting. Like, I, I think there's a good chance that Alec Burks and Rodney Hood are gone at that point. But it, it still kind of fascinates me on, on what this team is going to look like uh, down the stretch this season. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, it, it's just a really interesting uh, test case. And it does feel like this, you know, this playmaking out of their bigs is really provisional in nature. I don't think this was part of some master plan. It was like, shit, this is the only way we can generate any space for anyone to do anything. Right. Like dribble handoffs are, were not a part of the Cavs game uh, in the past couple years at all. I, 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 I haven't looked it up, but I would venture to say it would probably be among the lowest um, use uh, shot creation type in the league uh, because that's just, I, I can't remember them really ever doing that, even though love is kind of an ideal person to do that with. Um, No, for sure. But you know, when you don't have great pick and roll initiators, uh, this is what you have to do. You have to get a little more creative. You have to try um, to generate offense in different ways. And the dribble handoff is, I mean, it's such a, it's such a nice tool and you know, love who's a shooter is a lot more effective than someone like Nance, even though actually I would actually think Larry Nance is a better passer than love. I don't think love is as good of a passer as advertised. Um, well, I think his thing. reputation is that of a great passer, but he I think it differently though. Like 
like Larry Nance, it's different because he can legitimately bring the ball up. And and that's one, one thing that I wanted to actually get to was it seems like there is some friction between him and Colin Sexton. Like there's a lot of times where Nance is kind of blowing him off and bringing up the ball himself, which I think has to do with just how they like to play. Uh, Even though Sexton is probably the quickest player on the team, uh, he, he likes to, to kind of walk the ball up. He, he isn't really bringing that speed to the pace of play. Whereas Nance is really trying to, to run, get that ball moving, and, and he can create off the dribble in ways that Kevin Love can't. Like I, I think Love has good vision as a passer, but that's limited by some of his physical limitations. I don't know. I also think Nance has a better eye for weird angles. Like Love is good at making the passes there. Nance is kind of likes passing guys open a little bit more. I think he gets a lot of joy out of it. Um, I mean, if you're right, I'm I'm not going to be upset by that. Like, I, I think that's a uh, Nance is a really gifted passer. And if he is in fact that good, uh, which we still need to see probably a larger sample size of, but if he is that good, that, that really bodes well to him kind of living up to that contract. Yeah, I guess like, I mean, you know, I don't like to paint with a negative brush here, but like, I really do think it's like a matter of like, I just don't think Love's as good as people think he is. Um, I think Love is a good passer in the half court. I think, uh, you know, an above average, I would say. I think Nance is a good passer. Um, Right. So, you know, like maybe 10% better. Um, But uh, as as a pairing, I think it's really, really helpful. You can kind of play on those elbows and use guys like Jetty, who's been playing much better as of late um, as a cutter, um, which he's a little more comfortable doing rather than initiating out of the pick and roll, um, which is not what Jetty's comfortable doing at all. Yeah, um, he's he's a few spots in the rotation higher than he should be, yeah, or at least in what he's being asked to do is, is a, a little outside of his skill set at the moment. Yep, um, and that's okay. Um He's still a nice like, and uh, he's still a nice passer and a nice secondary creator. But as the primary, it just doesn't very much work. Um, no, I, and I mean, eight months ago, the guy couldn't even dribble. the The fact that he's actually capable of getting to where he wants to be on the court and pass guys open at times, and, and seems to have good vision. Like, even though he's not doing it on a consistent basis, the the fact that he's able to do that is really encouraging. Like him and Sexton are both kind of learning how to finish over NBA length. And this is really Jetty's rookie year in a lot of ways. Like he was in such a confined role uh, with LeBron, just spot up. If you're getting cuts to the basket or, or buckets in transition, that's nice. But we basically just need you to bring energy, play defense and spot up from three. Whereas now it's okay. I've never really broken down an NBA defender on the perimeter but I've gone by him and now there's rim protection there and I'm trying to figure out how to finish over it and, and that's something that Sexton's adjusting to obviously coming from college so um, I, I think the development of the skill is really encouraging uh, even though the the finishing isn't necessarily there right now yeah uh, and but to that to this point like that's why having Nance as a as the setup guy um, is really helpful for these young guys though. We're not really seeing it with Sexton right now. I think Sexton's in kind of the first prolonged, I guess you could say the first couple games of his career were pretty tough, but like specifically, like I feel like I haven't seen, and I have missed a few games here and there insert joke here, um, (laughs) but I feel like I haven't seen him play a really, really nice game in a minute. Um, no, and five game stretch of him like uh, like even when he has some good box score numbers, I'm not really liking what I'm seeing. The win yeah, the, in New the York last, was pretty nice. Um, yeah, but, the, the last four games have really been a struggle for him. And I mean, really, that stretch outside of the New York game, as he said, uh, two games against Milwaukee, a game against Philly, and a game against Indiana. Um, those are some long teams that really have high ceilings defensively, and they, they can do a lot of things that are going to bother him. And I, I think we're starting to see the the stage of his career where teams are actually game planning for him. They're they're prepping for him. There's some film on him. Um, we're, we're seeing teams really kind of wall off the paint and, and bait him into those long twos. And it, it's funny because 
he's actually as a starter he is taking more shots in the paint but he's taking six percent less shots in the restricted area so he's getting into the paint but he's just kind of throwing up these floaters these little hook shots or or pull-ups uh from about like seven eight feet out and those shots have just been a tire fire for him. I think he's shooting around 29% on paint shots that aren't in the restricted area. And I mean, that that's a big part of why we we've seen his free throw rate drop as a starter. And, and even though his field goal percentage and three point percentage is up as a starter, his true shooting percentage is still down compared to when he was a reserve. And, and that's a, I, I think a big part of him kind of, being scared to go all the way to the rim and settling for those little in-between shots. Well, you know, I think to that point, I, you know, you look at that shot distribution, um, but really he's losing well before he puts up the shot. That's the, the putting, putting up the kind of shots he's putting up is, uh, is a symptom, not the, the problem. And I think the problem right now is um, he's having a hard time manipulating angles. Um, Mm-hmm. And I think he's having, and I think his handle, as I've mentioned a couple times, it's just not quite as crafty as you want, as you thought it might be coming in. Um, so if if he doesn't have that straight line drive, um, he has a really hard time getting his defender off balance, um, where he can kind of carve past him. Um, I think a lot of the times we're seeing these floaters and weird shots and shot blocks because his defender, he, he's gotten close to the hoop, but he's never beaten his defender in doing so. Right. His defender yeah, is still, still chest to chest with him. Yeah. And that kind of forces you to go up in these awkward push shot floater things or pull up jumpers or get stripped and blocked, which has been happening quite a bit. And you're not going to draw any fouls that way because you know, when the defender's in a good position, uh, the ref has no incentive to call the foul. I mean, the guy guard, guarded him well. You know, this isn't uh, a situation which we do see sometimes where it's like, oh, ref hasn't, or rookie hasn't earned it with the refs yet. Uh, I don't think Sexton's been getting fouled very much. Um, no, he, he's, no not his, giving, his, uh, he's not his, giving opponents an opportunity to foul him with, with those little push shots, as you said. Yeah, so it, I think really that's, you know, it's less, it's so easy, especially for people on Twitter to just say, oh, well, he takes bad shots and he needs to take better shots. Um, but the, pro- the problem that they're, I wouldn't even say unwilling, because I don't even think they're really thinking about it that hard, uh, that, they're una- that they're unable to acknowledge is that it's other parts of his game that have to develop in order for him to generate good, good shots. Right. And, and we've talked about it before. It's encouraging that he's a good shooter from the mid-range because that gives you hope that he'll be able to expand that out to three. I think it's a positive that we're, we're seeing him increase his three-point attempts as well as his shots within the paint. It's just, as you said, it, it's that not kind of learning the the tricks of the craft here where you're doing those little moves to help create separation and create that angle uh, to finish at the rim. Um, like when you're when you're six foot nothing, your game has to be a little more subtle than Sexton's game is right now. No, you know? I I, com- I completely agree. Like there's no subtlety to his handle and to the way he doesn't. I don't think he spends a lot of time setting up his defender. And you know, I think we're being critical here, and we're not wrong to be critical. But I don't think we're down on Sexton necessarily. Like I no, think- he's. He's still ahead of where I thought he would be, and and there are positive signs. I, oh, totally. I, I wrote about this uh, for Fear the Sword, uh, which I, I think will be running tomorrow, uh, but just kind of talking about the, the high watermarks, especially with Sexton and Jetty, and just kind of looking for these subtle signs to growth. And, and growth isn't always linear, but I, I think it is positive, as I said, that more shots are coming from three, more, more shots are coming from the paint, the other thing that's really encouraging to me is that when the Cavs win and when the Cavs play well, he's a part of that. Like, as I said, as a starter, his true shooting percentage is down from when he was a reserve, and that's not really saying much. I, I think it's like uh, 50.3% as a starter. But in wins, Sexton is averaging 20 points per game. He's averaging over three assists and, and three rebounds. And his true shooting percentage is almost 57%. Plus, he has a positive net rating in those games. 
Um, and, and that's something that I, I think is encouraging for him. And Jetty Osmond's another guy who falls into that category. Uh, while his three-point shooting hasn't been great since he's got hurt, his net rating and wins is the... I, I think Jordan Clarkson and Tristan Thompson are the only two guys that have been here all season that have a higher net rating and wins. So Jetty is doing kind of those little things just like Tristan used to do when he was young uh, that, that help the team win, even if he's not finishing well. So I think there's positive signs for both of these young guys. And we're, we are so used to, in the LeBron era, looking at, okay, how consistently does this guy perform? He, he needs to have one or two skills that the team needs, and he needs to do that at a high level consistently, where now we have to recalibrate towards seeing, okay, are there small signs to growth? Or are there things like Sexton's strong mid-range shooting that can maybe lend itself to becoming a three-point shooter in time? Um, the, these are the... It, the fact that it's not a ability or uh, a physical tool issue with Sexton is encouraging to me. It, it all comes down to decision-making and dedication. And by all accounts, he, he's a hard worker. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think like, I just don't think these guys are supposed to be good NBA players right now. And they're not. No. And, and that's like, okay. You know, like I think that's kind of part of the, part of the process of being a bad team and was it you that I said this to it was uh I it was during the draft and I was just thinking about sex and I just thought it's gonna be weird having a, a core piece of the team like a real like a guy we expect to be the best player in the team a couple of years from now mm-hmm. in this pre-draft pre you know whatever and I was just thinking like you know we got pretty lucky we we got we landed with LeBron who was a freak right away. Like he wasn't perfect, but he was like clearly amazing right away. And then we also got Kyrie. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. An efficiency God. And like, it was, I just was thinking it's going to be weird watching uh, players who might be good down the line, be actively bad for a while. Right. And because that's just not something we're used to. No, it, it really isn't. And, uh, for all the players that come into the league that look like that from day one, your LeBrons, your Kyrie, your Kevin Durant, I mean, there, there's just as many young stars that did not look like that right away. I mean, look at Victor Oladipo. Uh, Kyle Lowry was a late bloomer. Uh, Jimmy Butler was a late bloomer. De'Aaron Fox, who is De'Aaron like Fox is high. prime example of that. And actually, uh, you look at some of the best teams right now, they drafted guys that not only didn't look great right away, they, they weren't necessarily high picks. Like Denver has one of the best young cores in, in the league, and none of those guys were a, a top pick. Toronto only has one guy that was drafted in, in the top 10, and that's Jonas Valanciunas, and, and they're a really good team. So I, I, I uh, Golden State, I mean, outside of Kevin Durant being a coward and going there, uh, those were guys that were drafted <laughs> kind of later in the draft, and and they didn't necessarily look the way that they are now in year one. Um, so I, I do think that some patience is kind of in order. and Especially if, for Cavs fans, because we were spoiled, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, not many organizations are as successful as the Cavs. It just comes down to that. <laughs> These model, as a model franchise, we, we just have to kind of recalibrate our expectations for year two here. You're absolutely right, Boom. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's been an interesting year, and I do like this team. I like that they're tryhards. I like that Delhi has turned into a good NBA player again somehow. Hilarious to me how good delhi has been. I, I mean, it, it's it's legitimately fun to see Does him his out. jumper look even stupider than you remember? I, I don't know if Delhi's shot is more ridiculous than it was before. Uh, but it, it definitely feels more ridiculous. I, I don't know if it's just um, the Lonzo Ball phenomenon of just looking at these weird releases or, or what the deal is, but he just looks so spastic out there, and, and it just kills me. Been just a little disappointed he hasn't generated any hilarious alley-oop uh, chemistry with Nance yet, but uh, you know it's just a TT thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, that's that's the the special duo. But we did get one of the best moments ever when he took out Fred McLeod. And I remember, <laughs> I remember as soon as I heard the Mike Russell, I was like, "Oh, please tell me he took out Fred in Austin." Of course he did. 
Um, <laughs> you know what's so funny is like, remember those like deli TT pick and rolls? They weren't guarded because like people were like, <laughs> we're not committing a third defender to this fucking thing. And now <laughs> he tries to run pick and roll with Nance and he's got <laughs> nine people in the paint because the Cavs have no one who can shoot. It's been treated like a primary option because he goddamn is Justin. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I mean, he, he's elite. He's, he's got as many uh, finals MVPs as Curry for a reason here. <laughs> that's, that's what I heard. <laughs> um, do you think they should keep starting Nwaba? Um, I'm kind of here for it. Like, I, I know we talked about this before, and I kind of want Nwaba to start once Love is back. Um, for now, I, I think the priority should be showcasing an Alec Burks. And it's funny because Alec Burks is a guy that always feels like he's having a good game. And then I look at the box score and, and it's trash. It's like, what the hell was that? Like <laughs> he legitimately, like he goes out there, he seems like he's doing all the right things, but, uh, yeah. Turns the, old, the ball has to go away. The old, uh, yeah. The old efficiency ain't so great, but, uh, I mean, hey, Houston, uh, Chris Paul went down again tonight, so uh, they are down to maybe, what, two or three NBA players now? So maybe uh, we we can finally bait them into pulling the trigger. Yeah, it does feel like those two. I, You know, maybe the Nwaba thing just gets settled right there because if Burks and Hood both get sent packing at the deadline, which seems very possible, Varden mentioned the Clippers had been scouting Cavs games – ostensibly mm-hmm. to be watching um hood uh it's you know maybe nuaba just slots in as the starting two and you just run sexton nuaba jetty love nance slash tt but your spacing is pretty cramped but honestly with this roster it's like you're gonna kind of have cramped spacing no matter what no no absolutely and i mean i'm <laughs> I'm not too, too concerned about kind of roster construction at this point. Like I, as I said before, I I think they have a lot of guys that they want to be here for the future. Um, I I think Tristan and Nance is a tandem. They want to move forward with, I think love's going to be here. I think Sexton's going to be here. I think Jetty's going to be here. Uh, But outside of that, I, I think it's kind of a blank canvas and um, some flaws with roster construction isn't really going to bother me too much, especially because, uh, the, the goal is still to lose this year. I, I mean, I, I get that people are doing the whole freak out. Uh, oh, the Cavs are winning now. Um, what, what's this going to do for our pick? But we were just talking weeks ago about, oh, with even with the worst record, it's still a crapshoot. We basically have the same laws we'd have at six. Like the whole reason for this lottery reform, even though it really takes any certainty of getting a top player out of it, is that. You go out there and develop your guys, give young guys opportunities. If they're a little ahead of the curve and you get a couple more wins than you thought, uh, you still have basically the same shot that you'd have at, with the top pick. Sure, you might fall a little bit further, but um, the the development of the young guys, I think, is more important. Like, that's something that you can control. You can't control the lottery ball. So uh, that's not something I'm going to stress too much about. No, um, and honestly, they are one game back of the or one game up on the worst record in the league. Like, right? They're still crap, and, and they're going to lose their shooters. Like, even with Kevin Love coming back, I still think they're going to manage his minutes. I think it's going to take him time to get himself back into shape. Um, like, it, it's he's not going to come in here at a hundred percent in playoff mode and play forty minutes a night. Like, Plus, I, as we established I, on the last podcast, we're at Marquez Chris. Oh no! I that oh, yeah. I uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But I I don't even want to take a flyer on that dude. Yeah, um, it's I'm, not I'm a flyer. It'd be salary matching. We already have one athletic guy on the team, and he actually knows how to play basketball, and that's Blossom Game. And I'm keeping that dude around. That is my Alonzo G of this era. I've uh, I've taken my flag on this. A truly outrageous last name this guy has. <laughs> <laughs> that's my biggest takeaway in Jared Blossom game he was so fun against Charlotte I, I just I like it he's a guy that brings consistent energy he goes out there he he's has a, a freak good, man yeah he has a good nose for rebounds as a wing he seems to actually have some touch as a shooter um, like 
he he even he's looks good driving to the eight. basket. And he cannot possibly be six eight. Uh, his wings bad might be seven nine. I mean, yeah, he, I mean he's huge, but he, feels, he ain't that big. feels huge out there. No, he he feels huge out there. I, I think it's the wingspan that's doing the heavy lifting there. Plus, he uh, he's showing some ability to put the ball on the floor and drive to the basket. And I mean, uh, considering we got uh, cut a guy that couldn't even drive a car um, <laughs> for him, I I'm okay with that. <laughs> that was a good joke. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it I, I don't think he's an NBA player, probably. Um, but you know uh, what? I mean, look, come on. look how many bad players are on NBA rosters, and I, I think he, I think he's going to earn NBA paychecks for a few years here. Like I, I think it's kind of, as I said, it's going to be the Alonzo G thing. Is he can be a rotation player on a not great team. He might even be able to play some spot minutes on on a better team. Um, he, he's not going to be any. So I was right. They completely just lied. Uh, he measured at six seven, or six six, and uh, and three quarters inches. So he's six seven tops in shoes, and he's not even there. I thought he was six five before I saw what he was listed as. I don't know. He, he feels he feels like a a tall player to me. He he, he looks lanky out there. So he he has a six ten wingspan though. Um, yeah, I don't know. I always thought of him as like a springy, like small forward shooting guard hybrid that really probably would be a really good college power forward. Um, where he has shown a little value is as a transition defender. Um, no, he no, really no. gets up there and can wipe out plays. Um, I just he just feels like a guy who's in who's a reliable jumper away from being an NBA player to me, and at least a decent one. And I don't know if that jumper's coming, but you know, no, but, on, on, but a night like, on a night like last night, though, when he goes three or four from three, he looks amazing. Like if you are an athlete that is playing defense and kind of a threat cutting to the basket just with your athleticism, and he goes out there and gets rebounds, like that's going to buy you at least a couple of years to figure things out offensively. Like there, sure, there I are guys, but like that doesn't mean he's a decent NBA player. No, no, that's what I'm not saying. Somebody... I don't think he's going to become a decent NBA player unless he can learn I... to shoot. And I don't think he's going to learn how to shoot. No, I, and I'm fine kind of keeping him around and being part of the rotation and uh, at least for this season. Um, but I, it's not like I'm going to start mentioning him in, uh, when I'm listing parts for the future or anything here. But that's, uh, that's a fun guy to take a flyer on. And it's also encouraging. Like every time the Cavs kind of hit on these little things on the margin, in if he is in fact a hit on the margins, like that's, that's an encouraging sign because you, you want to see the Cavs be able to identify talent and, and develop it. Even if it's taking the G league guy and turning him into a ninth man, um, those are kind of the little wins that, that are encouraging when you're talking about the, the competency of the uh, front office. As of now, I, you're right. Um, but as of now, I'm really just hoping he turns into a guy who's pretty fun to watch some nights. Like, and, and like, that's kind of my baseline of expectations. If he can meet those cool, if he can exceed those great. Um, seems like the Cavs really do like him and are going to keep giving him minutes. Um, you know, <coughs> sorry. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's falling out of the rotation anytime soon. Um, I don't really know who is anyone hurt that could come back that would take his spot? I don't um, think so. I mean, I guess Love. No. Love, I mean, Blossom's game has not has been playing a lot of three, not a lot of four. Yeah, I, I think anyone that's going to come and take his spot in the rotation, that's basically going to be a result of someone coming back in an Alec Burks or Rodney Hood or um, J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith's still on the team, right? And, sure is. Okay, yeah. So, like, one of those guys coming back. Like, if you get a player that matters. Actually, you know what I was thinking about the other day? And I am I swear to God, Carter, uh, I'm not trying to bother you with this and your dog shit theory from the, the summer. J.R. Smith for Jan Mahimi. If the Wizards are looking to get off that salary, because he's owed $30 million over the next two years here, um... That could that could work. Maybe we could get an asset out of Washington, and 
Um, they, they might even get him confused and think he's a different Smith than he is. <laughs> is there another good Smith in the NBA right now? I don't think so. Dennis Smith? Uh, yeah, Dennis Smith. Uh, I was gonna, Let's go with that. Yeah, we'll go with Dennis Smith. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it just feels like the JR thing is going to work. It just has a weirder solution than that. I guess the Wizards might lie to themselves, but they just did their like all in trade that also kind of shed some money. Um, it, it feels like, I don't know, man. I don't know what well, you're they're getting probably out of it. They're probably tearing it down in the summer. So I, I think they're going in on this year. And it's funny. I was listening to open floor. I don't know if you caught up on uh, yesterday's episode. I yet. did. Yeah, but the the Austin Rivers stories uh, of how he was the guy leaking everything to the media. He was throwing balls at Bradley Beal's head in practice. Like that, that makes me just so happy. I wonder uh, if he's out of the league. He cleared waivers. Yeah, well, he, Memphis kind of wanted him, and then he's not there. Like, um, I, I, he's, he's, I mean, he's a good player. Like, he's not a great player, but he was a legitimately nice player last season. Yeah, I don't know, man. Some one of the least liked guys I've ever seen. Like, you know, like it's rare that you hear so much enmity towards a random role player. Mm-hmm. But he just no. seems like a real shit bag. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, come to the Cavs, right? <laughs> yeah, I just don't know how this Jr. saga ends. Um, I I don't know what like a good return for him is like. Honestly, I, I really would not. If we the get... ca- here's the thing, Justin, the Cavs are getting close to the luxury tax next year, and I am fascinated to see if uh, Uncle Dan is willing to pay it. Um, that's interesting. I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. Um, I, I, I have a feeling that he's going to continue because. What Windhorse had reported was that he is willing to take on long-term money in order to get more assets into here. So I, I think that there's probably going to be limits. I don't think he's going to spend the same way that he did when yeah, no the Cavs were taken. And uh, I mean, if he does want to spend like a contender and this team is a fringe playoff team next season, uh, he can probably still get a lot of credit like Pat Riley does in Miami. <laughs> Lace up the sweats, Dan. <laughs> I need time to I put need, Kevin through a workout. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me reset this for our listeners that don't know the story. So Dion Waiters was talking about being fat in SI, and or or more or less, that's what he's talking about. And obviously, the Miami Heat, because they have heat culture, um, are not happy with his uh, workout and his rehab efforts. So apparently one day him and James Johnson showed up for their rehab assignment and they were told, no, I'm not running your rehab today, coaches. And out comes old ass Pat Riley in his jumpsuit and he puts them through some sort of hell workout where uh, both him and James Johnson, who, I mean, James Johnson is a freak of nature. Like that guy's a black belt. He He's usually in good shape. I but both of them were just completely winded and took about 45 minutes before they could even move after it. And the Pat Riley mystique is something that Carter has always had a little bit of fun with. So now that we're caught up, Carter, I need you to take on this. I just imagine him putting putting them through the workouts Mickey puts Rocky through in Rocky. You know, like just letting <laughs> loose a chicken on the American Airlines. <laughs> Oh. Uh, like <laughs> is this is this our king is this our king Man. Pat Riley going out of his way to make sure Dion Waiters isn't such a fat fuck um, after he decided to pay him and Hassan Whiteside to be the face of the, of the franchise yeah have you know for for such a smart guy he fell victim to one of the classic blunders which is don't uh, get too carried away with a uh, a good stretch of 20 games to close the season once 70% of the league's already quit. <laughs> hey, 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 I am going to be 100% soaking that up when it happens to us this season. Yeah, um, as I said, as I said, to continue the Mickey Rocky analogy, you know, Mickey didn't think he was going to be training some some dirtbag loan shark muscle 
who beats up corpses in a freezer. Uh, and Pat Riley didn't think he was going to going to have to find, uh, you know, fulfillment and getting Dion Waiters to put a good sweat in. Man, I got a lot of enjoyment. I was listening to the Lebitard show and, and they're going to a pretty dark place with the heat They're They're not very happy right now. Well, they're, uh, but they were talking, right. But you know, they've always been buying into the heat culture thing. And, uh, they, they were talking about how Gordon Hayward, uh, when they went to the interview with Riley, he didn't even know that Pat Riley was a coach at some point. And like Gordon <laughs> Hayward's not the youngest player. And they're talking about, well, how many players actually give a shit about Pat Riley putting his rings on the table? Like how much clout does he really have? The, the whole he never had talking. clout, Justin. That's the whole point. <laughs> you, you mean LeBron, uh, he- LeBron, Bosch, and Wade met at the Olympics and thought, huh, we should play together. You want no, where, no, where, no, where do they- you want to play? Hold on. And then they said, where do you want to play? And then one said, Siberia. And they said, oh, no, we should probably go somewhere nice. How about Miami? Is, are there nice things for rich people, for rich young guys in Miami? Turns out there are. And somehow Pat Riley putting his metaphorical dick on the table at a meeting for a thing that had been decided months, nay, years before, somehow we got to give him credit for it. Fuck out of here, Pat. No, no. We, 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 all, we know that uh, LeBron has absolutely no way, no idea how to pull strings and, and get stars to come together or to make teams make moves and stuff like that. He needed an old white guy to, to show him the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat really taught him how to, how to play with uh, a fucking stacked team. <laughs> uh, I needed that. I needed that. I, 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 I missed talking to you, Carter. And when I saw this that story, awesome. I was like, this is, this is something that we need to discuss on the podcast. So it, it feels good to be back. But yeah. you want to know a dark secret? I actually just think it's kind of a fun story. I'm glad he did it. Uh, I had to shit on him for the brand. But it is kind of sweet. It's kind of dope. Like I do like it. Like if that was my if that was my team's lead exec, I'd be like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> my uh, <laughs> sorry to go back to the Levitard show, but when they were discussing the story, there was also an anecdote Dan was telling about going to the heat practice facility in the middle of summer and Tyler Johnson was there five 30 in the morning with his son, basically like passing him and he's shooting around. And apparently like Pat Riley was just eating it up. And then they were joking that Tyler Johnson was probably just kind of sitting there wiping water on his face and had a lookout for when Pat Riley came into the gym. (laughs) (laughs) And then all of a sudden he's jacking up shots. Yeah. Pay pay me 20 million a year. Riles. Good old bumpy Johnson. Cannot believe, you know, and I, and I actually think Tyler Johnson was too bad of a player, no, but I'm actually okay with taking a flyer on him. If we're talking about JR scenarios, I'm okay with paying Bumpy Johnson more than he deserves because uh, sure. I think he's at least a ball handler. And yeah, he looks uh, ridiculous though. Yeah, <laughs> the beard, beard's got to go. Can you imagine him and Deli sharing a backcourt? He's already got kind of a round face, and the whole the beard being like this weird chin strap thing it just kind of makes it look like um what was those old toys where you kind of put the ha- the hair on them i forget what those were called whatever point is he looks ridiculous um someone needs to be a friend to him and and help out and tell him tyler just shave like you're gonna look better <laughs> and I, I mean at this point I'm just looking for guys that can theoretically shoot and can handle the ball. Because while, as I said, Sexton is ahead of schedule and where I thought he'd be, I think he's someone that's always going to need supplemental playmaking around him. And that's not necessarily the end of the world. Um, But it's something that the Cavs have to kind of look for whenever they're they're looking to make an addition. So uh, you got anything else to to add before we wrap this up uh, and take a little bit? I mean, both of us have taken breaks recently, but uh, I, I think we're going to take uh, Christmas off here. Yeah, deal with it, losers. Um, just uh, it's nice to be back with you, buddy. I'm sorry I was so unreliable recently. No, it's okay. I, I mean, it's uh, it's Christmas season. Uh, we should probably mention. I mean, this should, probably should have been mentioned at the the front of the podcast. But the reason we're recording today is you had a Christmas party yesterday on Wednesday, our normal recording night, and 
Oh, I we didn't one shout out any pods. Oh yeah, we need to shout out the pods. Um, who? Uh, Fucking light years. Yeah, Listen, I, I mean, light years. I know you guys don't like Sam and Andy, but they're they're good dudes. No, just download the podcast. Don't listen to it. Just yeah, download. actually, yeah. Let it. Think about it as like a favor to us. Um, yeah, and and you don't even yeah you don't even have to listen. Don't even have to. You know what is actually kind of fun when I am feeling like a bit of a hater is when something bad's happening to the Warriors. Sometimes I like to listen to their plot. <laughs> I mean, that even they will admit that's the only time that they're interesting is because uh, they, yeah. they've been boring as shit to talk about for a few yeah, years here. You're telling me. Anyway, yeah, you should listen to my years. They're, uh, it's a really, really fun pod, and they book pretty dope guests often. Uh, yeah. So now those fucks have some have better clout than us. Hmm. I uh, I think Andy's been uh, doing a little socializing in the uh, in the seedy underbelly of the bay, and and that's how he gets Classic. it. So, Classic. Um, so yeah, set uh, set auto download on Light Years to support him. You don't even have to listen. Set auto download on us, and uh, if you do want to support us, and you have listened for this long, and I appreciate you, you can leave a review. You can leave a rating. Uh, you can subscribe to our podcast uh, and tell your friends and family about it. We'd uh, Word of mouth is a, a good way to help the podcast grow. And if you want to be part of our Discord chat, uh, when you leave a review, just send a little screenshot of that to chasedownpod at gmail.com and we'd be more than happy to send you an invite. Uh, so thanks to all of our listeners, all our supporters out there. We really appreciate it. I uh, hope you guys have... Uh, really great holidays no matter what you celebrate uh go be with friends and family don't worry about the calves you're not the gm you don't have to make decisions uh so enjoy them for what they are carter i will talk to you after the break and as always you're not gonna talk to me before well i mean <laughs> i meant on podcast form thank thank you for fucking up my rhythm on that <laughs> note i'm done i'm out i'm out go calves go calves <laughs>